All right, welcome back to the show. This is Brad, and today I am joined by a close friend and colleague of mine, Eric Berman. And I brought Eric on the show to really dive deep into a topic we don't talk about enough, which is really working with leading companies, brands, and personal brands to help them grow their business and do it in a really innovative way that Eric has taken towards performance-based marketing. But besides just this topic, Eric's got a really fascinating backstory, both as an entrepreneur, as an investor, and now as the manager of one of the premier marketing agencies out there. Uh, that company, by the way, is called Branditized, and he works with thought leaders such as Brian Tracy, Jack Canfield, Phil Town, as well as consumer brands like HeartMath, Aptera, Terrasana, and a lot more. Also, Eric has consulted for multiple venture capitalists, including um, successful companies at all levels, including Club Med and Vessel and Phoenix Space, which I'm involved in. And he was also one of the co-founders of collegeclub.com, which was the largest and most visited college site on the internet in the year 2000. It was really considered like the first Facebook of its nature. We're going to dive into that because it's a really fascinating story. But uh, I've waited years to get Eric on the show. And without any further ado, Eric Berman, welcome to Bacon Wrap Business. Thank you, Brad. I was waiting years to get on the show, and it was a long, long queue, so I appreciate you having me on here. That's right. It's fun. So um, this, this is always interesting when I'm interviewing friends that I know a decent enough about, and uh, then I have to kind of like forget what I know and tee this up so that the listeners can get the benefit of um, of the experience that in your story that you share. But I'm sure that there's parts of your story that I haven't heard as well, so we can dive into that. But before we dive into performance marketing and branditize and really doing equity and performance deals with high-end brands, which I know a lot of my listeners are probably really interested in because a lot of them are likely expert marketers and they're, or, or expert gurus who are looking for marketing help. Uh, let's go back in history to your entrepreneurial uh, journey and like where you started and like college club and how all that came about because it's, I know it's really fascinating. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's funny, Brad. You know, even we all look back into our lives and ask ourselves, like, when did you know you're an entrepreneur? Like, you know, you know, it's so funny. So, you know, I was at UC San Diego grad in the uh, management science slash econ degree. Um, and you look back in your life, and I was one of the rare birds that didn't go run off to the financial investment firms and all those people that recruited us heavily out of school. And I, I, for some crazy reason, I was more interested in, in, in the first idea I heard more or less. Like, I think this is the other thing I learned along, you know, along the way as entrepreneurs. I, I sort of say yes too much to everything. Everything sounds good. Yeah. You know, what do we, you know, it's great. I love it. And so, um, you know, it started when I met a couple, a buddy introduced me to somebody who was doing some work with. And, you know, this guy was such a good visionary um, explaining this concept. And back in the day, we're, we're going to go way back to 93. And I hate to date myself here, 93. Uh, but we're going all the 93. I just graduated college and, um, you know, what did my Europe, you know, my summer European tour and, and didn't jump into that first job. And, and, you know, the idea was, hey, the most coveted market is the college student. You know, advertisers love the college student. If you can capture them early enough, they become they become loyal to your brand. And we had an idea on how to do that. And of course, the idea back then, you got to remember 93, there was no internet, nothing like that existed. So without going too deep into a story, it was almost like creating the browser over the phone and using a very sophisticated phone sort of messaging platform where you can hit different buttons to do different different services. And then we uh, you know, integrate in local merchants to get deals for students, et cetera, et cetera. So 
that was the grind. And, uh, you know, I look back and I was like, sounds cool. Where do I sit? And they're like, well, you, you'd love to help you, but we don't really offer pay right now. We're just sort of, ah, that's okay. You know, I, I don't mind. You know, I'd saved up some money in school and did, you know, did a bunch of jobs. And so I went in there and, and that led to like the first 18 months of no salary. And, and really, and I look back at my career and said, this is, this is a little bit of a pattern I had and I'll, I'll kind of create an open loop for you, you know, just some of the stuff I've done later which is taking out, you know, getting myself into an interesting situation, taking some risk by really doing sweat equity and uh, finding some cool opportunities for myself. Um, and I do remember getting my first paycheck, the founders, and so we decided to all pay ourselves like $1,200 a month, like 18 months later. And we felt so guilty digging that first check. But we're like, all right, it's time to like, we got to like, maybe eat a little bit more than ramen every week. I, I remember uh, that feeling well when I started my first yeah. uh, business and it was, it was probably only about nine months later or maybe about eight months later where I, I took like $1,500 out because I just kept on loop, yeah. you know, reinvesting it back in the business as you kind of should. But yeah, I, I remember that like, woo, my first paycheck. It's an my entrepreneur. First check. All right. All my first friends were jealous. Brad started his own business. I was like, be careful what you're jealous of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, fast forward, that was about, you know, three, four of us to 10 of us to 12 of us and trying to build this thing out when the market wasn't quite there yet. Um, probably not an exaggeration when I said we were, you know, less than 24 hours away from making payroll as we continued to shake the tin cup, raising money from angels, trying to explain this, this deal. Um, you know, kept, you know, I think we did miss payroll runs and had to give all the employees more equity and have, you know, big, big conversation. And then um, ultimately, this internet, this Netscape thing happened back in the day, old Mark Andreessen and others. And, and, oh my goodness. And so then we had to quickly pivot and said, dang, all the stuff we've been doing as we still, as we kept building up and building up, obviously a lot happened. Things really exploded though, when, when VCs were coming around and pouring money and uh, to, to fast forward that adventure, you know, we went from a few of us to, you know, 10, 20, hundred, Next thing you know, we had raised $75 million, had about 400 employees, acquired four companies, and we were just the little darlings of San Diego. Um, as you talked about earlier, if you looked up the internet stats back in that day, and this is like you know 2000, we were the number one website for the entire demographic of the college market, You know that, that coveted market. Wow. And we were actually number 40 in the entire internet. Like imagine being the 40th most trafficked site on the internet. Uh, we had filed to go public. And took our first vacation in five years. Um, I remember it vividly up in Playa de Carmen back in the day in a very rainy weekend. And we were watching the TV on that Thursday, I think just the day we arrived. Was this, what was and this, the market, March of 2000? This is April or March, whatever yeah. it was of 2000. And that market just crashed that those days. We like literally like, oh, this is not happening. And then our CFO like had a heart attack on the spot practically. Oh my God. Flew home like the next day. Um, because we had uh, that Tuesday, we had a $10 million bridge loan to take us to the IPO. And so, you know, what a bridge loan is, you know, if, if, if you're not quite familiar, you know, really, you know, at that time, you know, we're burning like one to $2 million a month just on payroll and costs. And back then, and in a little history lesson, again, it wasn't about profitability. It was about eyeballs, spend, 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 lose money. Don't worry about it. Get eyeballs. And ultimately it was about being the number one for any, you know, whatever vertical you're in. So that's what we were told to do. That's what the board and the VCs and everyone wants to do. So we're losing money, but it didn't matter. $10 million was going to take us to the IPO. And then we were going to probably go out. They said about a half billion dollars or so. And we were going to be acquiring a bunch of companies. I was a 28 at the time. And I would have had enough to, to retire back, you know, back then, at least six months after the IPO. And then it all just imploded. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a really, really tough part of my journey because this is all I knew. I had no life. It was seven days a week, you know, 
10, 11, 12 hour days, mattresses in the office, that kind of thing. And, you know, you get to a point where you feel like, God, I made it. I did all this work and, you know, it, you're going to make it. And, and then you, you just, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we didn't imagine what could go wrong. It could be this bad. Of course, you don't know what you don't know. And nobody really knew at the time what was going on. And then that led to, you know, a big implosion and us having to lay off, you know, a couple hundred people very quickly. And, and ultimately, the, the, as, as nothing turned around that fast, there was a lot of sell-offs going on. And, and, and that's when you also learn, and I won't get too far into this lesson, but just a quick note about the importance of board control. And at that time, after raising up money, we were down one seat, founders, like three seats, board, four seats. And ultimately, the board decided that it was time to divest and just get whatever money out they can. Uh, so they just said, let's sell. They basically fired all the founders on the board and said, you're out. We don't want you getting on the way. Um, you know, no cause, nothing. It's just, it's just, we want to sell it and you're going to block us from selling it. So buy. Um, and, uh, ultimately we tried to buy the business out of what's called a 363 bankruptcy. So that's actually where they take you through a bankruptcy to cleanse the business of all the liabilities and start fresh and try to get the best you know deal they can get for that. Mm -hmm. So um, we were out on the roadshow trying to raise money to buy that out of bankruptcy, actually me and myself and the founders and said, all right, we're gonna get this back. Got down to the point where we found the investor, we were gonna make the offer, probably get it. And then his wife had a stroke. And then we said, all right, that's the final straw. Messages on the wall, you know, running to the wall here. This is not meant to be, it's time to start a new chapter in our lives. Yeah. And that was and that was the end of that. And what a crazy, crazy wild story. Wow. So yeah, you were there at the really the heart of the dot-com days. I remember the I remember March and April of 2000 real well. I was a financial advisor. So um, I had a bunch yeah. of clients. I was about two, three years into the business and I had a bunch of clients and it all went to hell. And I was like, whoa, what do I do now? <laughs> um, but yeah. being on that stage of it, I mean, you you at least got to see probably some really, really valuable lessons early on that absurd yeah, I did so you, and you talked I, about I board control so you were you were one of the founders but then the uh, but then what like the the board was not necessarily made of the founders so that they had the ultimate control and they were able to push you guys out right I mean I mean as you as you go through each tranche we had run you know as you know uh, early stock and then series a series B series C and each time you're sort of adding another board seat for the investors so at some point by the last round, um, when they put in a pile of cash, it was kind of like, okay, well, the you know, the founder group, if you will, or the friendlies, as you like to say, were one less than the investor groups. Um, and ultimately, even though share-wise, we had more shares, at least the main founder, um, didn't matter because the board got to dictate what was happening back then. And that was quite a, quite a lesson. Wow. How would you, uh, how would you, or have you restructured something? Uh, like, have you had to, have you taken that specific lesson and restructured businesses you're in now? Because I know, for instance, like Mark Zuckerberg's famous for the way he structured his board and the voting shares, like he can basically never be unseated the way that mm. he structured his with the different classes and how certain seats have like 10 times the voting power of other ones. Yeah. yeah I mean, I would say knowing what I know, it's other, other than advising friends and other colleagues, you know, I, I haven't gone down that path of building another business that size. Yeah. So I haven't had to deal with it. And, and so I've been, I went down a you know, different path. Yeah. So if I ever do, certainly I'll take those lessons. A little simpler. From that. Yeah. So then, and I, and I get to take and I get to take away the lessons about, like you said. I mean, I mean, when you get to learn, you know, when from twenty one to twenty eight, you know, the real hands on experience. You know, you got to take a positive attitude. At the end of the day, it was very, very difficult at the time. But I always tell people it's easier to lose money that's paper money that you never had 
then, you know, you know, you know, let's say I had 10, $20 million in the bank and lost it all. That'd be a lot more difficult to swallow. Yeah. So it difference. wasn't like, I just like, it'd be a little different. So it's, you know, other than that, I never, never really had that money. Yeah. And I had such a tremendous experience and, and, you know, I get to continue the journey with, with that. Yeah. Well, and at least so, you were in your twenties, I'm sure. So it was yep. easier to absorb. So then, you know, yeah. when you and I met, it was probably right around 2013 when I had first moved to San Diego. And I know at the time you were partners with uh, Brian Tracy and running his business. But how did that like, how did that jump? There's probably like a decade or so in between the implosion of College Club and that, like what, what was your next step? How did you reinvent? Yeah, so so I started just consulting and and first it was a pivotal moment where the original fa- partner, founder of the company who owned the majority of the stock of College Club was kind of my mentor, you know, teaching me a lot of stuff. And he was having another new idea. And I remember sitting around and I had my own little idea, something to do randomly with Club Med. And you know, it was at that moment where I said, you know, I have my own idea that I want to explore myself. I don't want to always be under the shadow or the wing of somebody else. Because I think when you grow up with somebody, they always see you as that sort of junior person. Yep. And I wanted to become my own sort of like leader, if you will. And I think I had that inside of me. Um, I know I had that inside of me. So it was a pivotal moment to say, all right, I'm done with that, that relationship. Wish him well. I'm going to go my own path. Started. And that was just really where the entrepreneurial spirit started to come out there. I just have ideas and I wanted to pursue them. And so one of them was this idea for Club Med called My Club Med, which is building a social community for their travelers and figure out a way for the company to engage their travelers beyond their one week trip. And they had such a big opportunity to do so and it pitched it and they bought it and they loved it. And so I was having fun traveling to Club Med and, and getting their, their different locations set up. Um, and they did that for a while. And I met, I, I was t- uh, called on by a family friend actually prior to that. Um, somebody worked for Brian Tracy and she helped him book his events. And she knows me through a family. She says, Eric, I know, you know, this internet thing, this web thing, this is 2001, you know, about a year after everything else uh, happened. She goes, Brian needs help with a website. You know, this is all again, back in 2001. So I said, all right, met Brian. And I, and, and I need to tell you one more quick backstory. When we started college club, um, we learned about. Uh, self-growth, personal development really early on. That's one of the things my mentor taught me. We used to do 6 a.m. with Brian Tracy and Tony Robbins. 6 to 7 was, you know, in the room with breakfast, listening to Brian and Tony and really feeding your mind the stuff they don't teach you in school, which I wish they did. You know, people skills, goal setting, time management, all that fun stuff. So I was a huge fan of Brian's. I was like, you know, and I got a chance to meet him. I'm like walking in the office, sort of, you know, that, you know, the kid drooling. And it's like, oh my God, it's Brian Tracy. Like, wow, the legend. I can't believe I'm rooming you and probably babbled a few times and drooled a few times. But, uh, you know, got a chance to meet him and he told me his, you know, what he's looking for. I'm like, Brian, I'd be so honored to do this. I know exactly what you need to do. I could do it. And by the way, um, you know, I'm not an employee. I'll come in and do this, Brian. And I'm so confident we'll do this that don't pay me until I make you a profit. Nice. And he's like, Eric, you're my kind of guy. Let's do this. So, you know, I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And then in hindsight, you know, you alluded to it earlier. That was sort of the, you know, other than taking equity the first time in my career and, and not, you know, not taking pay for a while, this is sort of the next time doing that again. So I guess I had this inside of me where I was willing to sort of take my, you know, put sweat equity out there and, and, you know, put my neck on the line to try this. And so I did that with Brian and, you know, it worked out great. You know, I was able to quickly generate revenue for him and go into a split and, and build up a business and really build up his online team that I, I hired and managed and ran his online business for, and now we're into year 21, about to enter to year 21 of that relationship. So that's been an incredible relationship, which really in hindsight started the journey into 
um, being an agency owner at Branditize and, and, you know, agency owners like the joke, um, you know, you don't sort of grow up wanting to be an agency owner. You're kind of back into it. And this is, this is my backing into it story um, where I was then, you know, managing Brian's business, doing Club Med and doing a few other projects early on. Um, ultimately, you know, a few people came up to me and said, hey, what you're doing for Brian, can you do for me? And when you hear that enough times, you start to realize, well, rather than me sort of screwing off working on multiple things, maybe I need to focus. And you heard the focus word quite a bit in the entrepreneurial world. Um, you know, maybe I need to hone in on this being sort of the the, the journey I need to really go in on, and which is doing similar types of things for, you know, what initially started as other thought leaders like Brian. And, and yeah, absolutely. You know, now you, and then you did that, right? So Brandit, when was Branditize born? Because Branditize kind of came out of Brian Tracy partnership. That's right. Yep. So 2014, I like to call it the uh, the two year conversation with Brian. You know, you sort of had to go to Brian and say, Brian, you know, we're not going to have a monogamous relationship anymore. You know, yeah. I want to take the staff and work on other people. Still love you, but um, and 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 that worked out really well. I mean, it was it was you know you know talking to Brian over time, and and fortunately, you know, we we had such a good solid relationship. We totally love each other, and it was all about mutual respect. And as long as I was always going to take care of him, he trusted me, and 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 I would always do that to him, and I would make sure that I would never. You know, screw him or anything like that, and it's been such a good relationship because of our communication. And so that led to guys like Jack Canfield and Phil Town and other big thought leaders, and also led to a lot of mistakes um, because we started with this model. And and to talk a little about that, it was like, okay, this worked a couple times. Why don't I go out there and let's say Brad, you were a thought leader, and said, hey Eric, you know, wow, and you're like, hey Eric, I got these books and and you know, I got this great event and this course and. And I go, all right, Brad, how about I do all this stuff for you? I do these things for you and don't pay me until you make money. Mm-hmm. Like you'd be like, all right, sign me up for that deal all day long. It's easy to sell. Uh, easy to sell. But, you know, then the mistakes started happening about, you know, there's so many variables into that. And this is where the ignorance and, and being so young and naive into this kind of model, not really knowing what I was doing back then. Um, that was the start of Branditize, but it was also the start of a major journey. You know, this is like, say about 2015 is really when we started, you know, getting the company going. Um, and that's really when a lot of the you know, the learns and, and, and growth started happening and, and some of the misses and mistakes with that model and ultimately going to what what's working today. And so, and so what so, is yeah. that's, a, that's a perfect segue uh, statement. Uh, what is working today? Like, how do you how are you guys structuring your relationships? And yeah, well, well, first, what we learned is is um, learning how to build influencers and I said, you know, influencer wasn't a big word when we started, but really, you know, thought leaders, which were now also considered influencers. Um, you know, there's a lot of marketing that goes into that. It's not just, Hey, a, a traditional direct consumer product where you load up an IG ad or a Facebook ad or YouTube and they, people buy an impulse, you know, in this world, as you know, Brad, cause you've done a lot of this as well. It's like, you got to do multiple channels. You got to do, you know, the, the general Facebook, Instagram tra- uh, uh, ads, you got to do SEO, you got to do content marketing, YouTube, a lot of email funnels. So we applied that into B2C and B2B, and we ultimately decided B2C is a much better market for us. And when we do uh, consumer goods as well, learning to do the direct, to, to do the influencers and the info marketing, it makes that actually kind of easier. So we landed is on staying in the B2C, working with influencers and direct to consumer, you know, really cool brands that, that make a positive impact. And that's one of the things that we liked is, is finding the real good influencers or brands that, that are doing cool stuff. Um, now where our model was, I'll tell you what we were doing, what didn't work and what's working now is, is going out too early and just saying, Hey, let's partner up and we'll take a percentage of what we do. Sounds great in theory. But the problem is anytime you talk to a client or a prospect, 
they tend to, let's just say their numbers are kind of like, hey, let's just take my best month and multiply that by 12. And that's the number I'm going to tell Eric about how good our business is right now. Let's just take a percentage of that or we're already doing this well. Um, and the other thing that's just, you know, there's such obvious things in hindsight, but if I give you the deal, Brad, where I said, hey, Brad, we'll do all this stuff for you. Don't pay me until you make money, but we actually truly need you to work. We need you to go to the studio and create content and give us these pieces and do a bunch of stuff. You're not that motivated and you'll get to it when you get to it, but you know, you're not out there writing checks to us. So it's kind of like, you'll move at your own speed. Makes a huge difference. Um, makes a huge difference. I know you've been through those, those scenarios. So you not having skin in the game kind of hurts as well. So, so I think a lot of it was absolutely mistakes. A lot of it was lack of confidence by myself. Um, you know, the, you, you know, you get into the, um, you know, uh, um, I can't remember the word I'm looking for, but, um, but anyway, I, I get it. Oh, the imposter syndrome, sorry, the imposter yeah. syndrome I have on myself, you know, I'm not good enough. And, and, you know, I don't know, you know, is it really going to help them? And, and, you know, am I really providing enough value? Let me just do this great deal for you. Um, and it's just, it's just silly in hindsight. And so we made a lot of mistakes um, looking back on deals that we cut, even when we were making money. When we started to, as an agency, you really need to be tracking hours and, and, and understanding what your billable rates are and how much you're making per client per hour compared to everything else you could be doing. And once, you start, once we started getting under the hood of that data and going through that learning and growth, really the eyes open is that, wow, we're, we're taking you know, profits from, from clients that are going really well at an hourly rate and kind of trying to invest into newer companies. And it's just never getting to the point where it's making the money fast enough. So we're really just pulling ourselves down and not, not moving at the level we can. Yeah. So a lot of mistakes about that. Um, also about personalities that we were going into business with. Um, so just jumping into the answer to your question to fast forward, um, we've learned the hard way that we are going to date before we get married, I'd like to say. Meaning getting married is the partnership is when we go into our relationship and say, don't pay us anything up front. We'll just take a percentage. And usually we do it off the net revenue of the business. You know, you take the gross revenue minus, let's say your ad expenses or your sales commissions, that net revenue number, you know, we'll say we'll, we'll take a percent. And that percent usually is different for any kind of client because mm -hmm. there's also, they're all over the place. You know, if a client's making a hundred million, you know, you're not going to take, you know, 20% or 50% of that. And if they're not making as much and, you know, it depends on the work you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. But, before we get to the partnership slash, hey, let's get married, we say, we got to date first. And when we date, four things are going to happen. And you're going to pay during the dating phase. It's going to be like a traditional retained model. We're going to ask you to, to pay us at a reasonable rate. We're not going to gouge you, but we're going to come up with a nice rate that we all feel like you're getting tremendous value over. And we're going to look for four things. First and foremost, is there a culture fit? Do we really like each other? And you know, it's not just us liking you. You got to like us. And, and, a, and a fun test, I like to say in all relationships, I think applies across multiple for, for, you know, almost anything that, that everybody's listening to is I call it the, uh, the cell phone energy play. When, when Brad Costanzo calls me, do I get like drained or am I fired up to call? So, you know, when you Are call you like, I'm excited uh, to talk to you, Brad. No, yeah, or, but, hell yeah. But, like but we've all had those relationships with clients and others. When they call, you're just like, oh, I don't really want to answer this. Or let me just go to voicemail yeah. or just delete. Or, you know, I got, I got to work up some energy and drink a coffee before I talk to this person. Bingo. Um, we don't want that, obviously. Um, and, you know, or, you know, would we take them to dinner? You know, that kind of stuff. Is it fun going out with them with our, with our wives or significant others? Um, number two is... Do we like the business? You know, now that we've been under the hood for a few months and we like the partner, do we truly like the business? Is it making a positive impact? Are customers fired up? Are they getting great reviews? You know, it's not just me, Eric Berman, running the business. I'm out of there. It's I'm out of the weeds. It's my team. 
my team's going to be fired up if they're complaining that this is sucks and they're not going to want to go the extra mile to really uh, you know make this thing work right um, what are some of the three, what are some yeah. of the services for a cloud because I know you guys are full stack right you te- technically do yeah. everything so um, what are some of those like ideal clients for you like right now um, especially as they re- as they apply to like B2C and maybe influencer-based model, right? So I know a lot of the people who listen to my show uh, either are influencers or work with people like that, but who are some of your ideal clients, A, and then what are some of the either services like you do, or maybe it's easier to go, these are the things we don't take on. Yeah, I mean, ideal clients would like to say is somebody um, who's got a proven product um, and is looking to escalate and scale their product and understands the value of what it takes to really build up a business um, to, to put into the marketing. Um, for us, you know, we, we'll, we have our own internal minimum of like $10,000 a month worth of spend in the marketing services, not including your ad spend. Um, and, and, and what I mean by, and, and if they don't have a product launched, which we have taken on cases, are they well-funded? Meaning we, we have dealt with some early stage companies that have a bunch of capital behind them and they're like, okay, we have an option here. We can go out there and hire a bunch of people to run marketing or we can just snap our fingers and have a full team working for us tomorrow. But we have plenty of budget and we know what it takes to build this up, understanding it's going to take a while. So but so we also learned the hard way that we got to we almost want to turn those people away and say, do you really understand what it's going to take? And you got to have you know a six figure budget plus if you're a startup. So so back to your question, I think so most cases, if they have an existing business, they need to have a proven funnel, proven product, showing that they're making sales, and they're typically the founder, the influencer is under the hood probably too much themselves, and they're like, I just want to be creative. I don't want to be going under Facebook or doing SEO, or maybe they have one person who's kind of like a friend, you know, a friend relative that's that's doing that. That they truly know that this person probably isn't the best marketing person, but they've been helping them out. And they're ready to go to the more professional, uh, the next level. Gotcha. So that's when we come in and say, hey, we'll, we'll take over all your marketing, be your CMO, help with strategy, help do uh, lead gen. You ask what we do and don't do. You know, we do almost all marketing from lead gen, from your, you know, your paid media, your SEO, your content marketing, YouTube marketing, email marketing. What we don't do and we partner with um, is uh, Amazon, uh, PR, uh, app building, that kind of stuff. But we build the websites. We do the UI, UX testing, the, the you know customer experience, customer journeys. So most of the stuff we do, we like to have our hands around a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if people go out there and hire multiple agencies, I would always encourage people either build it yourselves internally or find an agency that could do most all of it together. Um, if you hire multiple agencies, the problem is it's very difficult to have somebody in there that yeah, you know, you think of a customer journey, the, the stuff that you're doing, let's say an SEO is going to affect the paid media and, you know, it's going to affect the landing pages on the back end. And if you have multiple teams doing multiple things, you're not, it's really hard to get everybody talking and, uh, synchronously. So um, it's kind of feedback on that one. No, I love it. So, so clients, yeah, they get to come to you and they get to know that basically everything's handled, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's all handled. And, and, and ultimately when we, you know, back to the other point earlier, you know, if we like the product, like the client, you know, you're going to item number three, we look for it's really four items is, do we know the true numbers of the business? Mm-hmm. You know, when we take over a business, if we like the business and we like your funnel and you're making money and we've been in there for two, three months uh, fine tuning it, if we ultimately could scale it, we'll at that point take the risk. And we will then say, Brad, stop paying us monthly, you know, stop paying us your 10, 20, 30 grand a month, pay us zero. Instead, now that we've seen the numbers of the business, and we know we could double it if we add more juice to it and add more fuel to the fire. 
we'll just take X percent of the net revenue. And therefore, if we have a good month, great, we're getting paid more. If we have a crappy month, we're going along with you. And now it fundamentally changes our relationship. Rather than you writing a check every month, wondering where your money's going, you're just cutting us a check out of profits. And that becomes a lot easier for you to, to, to manage. And that's been a, a really cool part of, of you know, how to get skin, offer skin in the game but do it in a way where it's, it's, it's more done intelligently from our standpoint. Yeah, I like that. Well, in the, in the first dating months yeah you at least get paid so it de-risks you without being overly burdensome on the client but then eventually yeah once everybody knows that this is a good uh a good relationship it allows you both to it allows you to de-risk the client because and increase your profit because the probability of success is a lot higher you're not just starting from scratch like that so that's fantastic what's uh are there any kind of nuts you're trying to crack right now that uh you know a nut could be like a a uh, person or a role you're trying to hire, money you're trying to raise, a specific problem you're trying to, you know, to solve. This is where like myself, yeah. my listeners can go, huh, maybe I have an idea for you. Like something besides just, oh, we're just trying to grow, right? Is there any? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, can, I mean, it's funny. Any month we talk, I probably have a new nut I'm cracking, right? What's the problem <laughs> of the day? Um, I think, I think, um, well, few fewfold. I think all agencies and companies right now going through that. Um, let's talk culture for a second. You know, you talk about the remote you know, we went from being um, a highly uh, uh, interactive, creative team where all of us were in San Diego at about 30, you know, 30, 35 people in the office, very vibrant community to COVID. Now, you know, now we're all remote and, you know, you can't mandatory get people, especially the, the creative millennial and others that are working in this kind of uh, environment right now. The, 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 the supply and demand, I should say the demand for this kind of talent right now is so high that we lose leverage if all of a sudden we're like, we got to force you back to the office. They're just going to quit and go somewhere else because there's too many opportunities to work from home and people are getting used to that. However, you're also battling us, you know, what, you know, I'm a really big on culture and you'll understand like, how do you maintain that culture in this environment? And you're also a creative agency, right? So we got to have the ability to be creative as well. So we're, we're managing, we're doing well. It's, it's just a lot of learning and pivoting and, and changing your sort of the mental landscape. It's been tough on me to figure out how to reprogram my own thinking of that and, and feeling confident in the team. And, yeah. and we're getting through that, but there's ongoing obstacles on that. Um, I think it, going back to the recruiting, there's such a, you know, digital marketing is so hot right now. And I think within that, I, I've heard from other agencies, you know, if I, if I, were, if I had a, a, a sibling, in school right now, I'd say if you want to go make a lot of money fast, go learn the world of paid media. Yeah, um, it is it is uh, so hard to find good paid media talent right now, um, and they're getting paid a, a lot of money, and you know, not even with a ton of experience, and that's that's just crazy. Um, and so that's also tough too because you hire somebody and and you think they're going to be great because they you know big salaries, but they're not also. It's tough to find really good talent, and so I've heard that from other agency owners. Um, and then lastly, I think, uh, um, I think truly tracking, um, a lot of it also happens, you know, as companies go remote as well, you know, there's, there's a lot of desire for employees to feel trusted and we do trust the employees, but there's also, um, you know, as a, as a company, you have to have some checks and balances on where hours are going and utilization rates. Um, the agency world makes things a little bit more difficult because things are up and down, you know, might gain a client, lose a client. Um, and how you're managing hours and profitability amongst multiple clients. Sometimes you're over-serving, sometimes you're under-serving, and just trying to do that delicate balancing act right. is, is a tough, t- 
tough for us, but you know, we're figuring it out. I remember, I, I think we had a conversation about this not too long ago, but I'd love to hear where you stand on it now. So I know like in the past, you, you just built staff, staff, staffed up and you had all the various departments and then, uh, and you didn't really do too much um, contracting out with other agencies, right? Have you, but I thought you said that you were looking at being a little bit more lean, but then working with people who are more, a little more freelance to add on so that you don't have to, um, you know, just take the, the payroll. Cause obviously if you have somebody on payroll yeah. or you have several people and then maybe you lose a client or two, which happens. And then all of a sudden you got a lot of bloat, uh, et cetera. Have you, yeah. have you done any of that, uh, contracting out various departments yet? Or great question. Brad. Yeah. Great question. No, no, you, you nailed it. In fact, and, and I've been studying and listening to some podcasts and some other agency owners. There's, uh, there's a movement, a lot of doing this, we're moving this direction too, is it's almost like you're high, your, your, your strategists, your subject matter, magic experts, your department heads, all that we're bringing in house. But then as you add on and you get, let's say to the third person on that team, sometimes a second person on that team, let me give an example. You have like a creative director, a head designer, somebody is running the department. You know, they have their, their right arm in the company. Well, when you go down to the next level of, let's say, designers, you know, at that point, we can outsource. Maybe we outsource more overseas, you know, to hire a third designer in, in the office when, you know, needs may up and flow. That's, our, that's where the danger comes in. Um, so it's also been a difficult challenge to reprogram everybody's thinking to say, look, I know it's easier. You know, if, if it were up to you, of course, you want to go hire somebody local to UCM and another full-time body. Yeah. You're also not looking at the dollars of the company. Realize how difficult that is when we take a big hit some, at some point because the, the, you know the peaks and valleys do happen. So it's more about the you know we say hands on keyboard when you get down to the people that are really in the grind doing less management and more just direct the, the direct uh, following the the the, the um, projects. We're trying to outsource a lot more, and we're even learning now. And maybe you know in the future I could give a, a follow up to that. On, on doing more overseas. So certainly, yeah, if you have any followers, I'd love to get some 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 experienced shares on uh, hiring, you know, overseas talent, working with them. Um, we're starting that path right now to help help us grow. Yeah, I would that think direction. that would be kind of important because I've seen some of the challenges that, you know, you guys have faced and just a lot of it just economically driven, right? Like, you know, 2020 upset the apple cart for a lot of people. Um, and just being able to stay lean. But then also, you know, it's, it's helpful because then some of those people you can go hire like really great freelancers who don't want a job, but they're like really good at X and then you can use them yep. when they want. But so that's fantastic. Um, so the, uh, the clients you're working with, with now though, what would you say is the split between like personality based um, thought leaders and influencers yeah. versus more of the traditional businesses or non, you know, uh, non front man featured businesses? It's about half and half. Okay. Um, or maybe, maybe it's slightly about 60, 40 into in, uh, information marketing. Sure. Um, and some of it even goes into a hybrid of they might not even be thought leaders. You gotta, there's, also an, there's also a middle one there where there might be a thought leader at the helm, but the brand isn't about the thought leader. It's about selling the content and, and the curriculum and the, and the, th the teachings of what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. The thought leader is so, the pitch man for the curriculum. Yep. Yeah. Which is, I think, always better long term yeah. is not to have them be the brand. And then it was like, for for instance, some of the clients you work with, um, Brian Tracy, for instance. So mm -hmm. there are obviously there's information products. I, I would imagine that there are there is a sales team involved, people who probably talk to clients to uh, sell some of the more advanced programs. Are though the way that at least it works with Brian Tracy are those 
internal to Branditize? Do you contract out with salespeople? Is there another organization or how did things like that work? Yeah, I mean, for the Brian Tracy business, yeah, we do have a, a sales team partner that, you know, works on, you know, works on commissions that essentially works with our our, our customers right. to sell them into coaching and to sell them to more, more products with Brian. Right. So, yeah, we have an idol, Phil, Phil Town. He's, you know, he's got a full sales team as well that, that will, well, really it's, you know, it's sales and consultant that works with clients that are interested in more services, you know, things of that nature. So, so it's kind of either yeah. or hybrid. If the, if the company has their own people, it's fine. You do yeah. the marketing for them. If not, you have the resources to do sales and marketing. Some of it's that's right. Cool. That's right. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, are there any other uh, things you're really excited about? You're watching right now that kind of have your interest of where things are going. Um, well, I just, I continue to think it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, first of all, I mean, I think it's a great time to be in digital marketing still. Yeah. I mean, it's not going, I mean, you think of all industries, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's going Definitely. To be positive. And I think, I think trying to stay on top of the trends of what's doing is always exciting. You know, it's, it's, you know, obviously TikTok was the huge, you know, last, last, you know, 18 months or so, you know, really learning to get, it's not going away. Right. So how do you pivot your marketing to that? Have you guys done any, have you guys done anything with TikTok yet with clients, like started to manage that? Yeah, we got a fun client called Terrasana, which is a uh, uh, acne Gen Z acne skin line using CBG, um, actually out of a public company, and we're doing a lot of TikTok with them. Uh, so started there, and it's been great. And, and I think we're doing a couple other companies. We're looking at that as well. Um, so yeah, you got you got to figure it out. We got to get there. Um, and sometimes and sometimes you know it's it's in those instances too. We could find partner companies that are farther along and just white label bring them in initially until we learn. And then eventually bring it in house, or just continue to you know, have partners working working with. I like it. So, um, you know, we're we're approaching the end of the uh, the show here, but I'm sure that you've probably piqued some people's curiosity. Are there any uh, like if somebody thinks that they may either be a good fit for you or wants to explore this more, like what's 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 the best way to either reach out or to find out more and see if there's a uh, opportunity. Um, well, our website, uh, brand e ties, that's brand and then E-T-I-Z-E dot com, which really came from, uh, we're going to help you monetize your brand, mm-hmm. uh, branditize. Uh, there is a contact us form really easy to fill out and just, you can kind of just say you're interested and just reference your show and reference Brad. And, uh, that'll probably alert me because I do get a, a BCC in all inquiries. And so I will, uh, probably jump ahead of my biz dev team to answer that one. So cool. if it comes from your team. Yeah. That's fantastic. So that's yeah, branditized, not braditize. There's an N in there. Branditize.com. Right. So that's otherwise we're getting monetized Brad. That's always fun too. Absolutely. I like that. <laughs> well, Eric, thanks for uh, yeah. joining me on the uh, on the podcast today. It's uh, as I said, it's always fun to interview my uh, my close friends, but uh, it was it was cool. I actually learned a few things about your history that I didn't know and think it's super cool. Um, the history that you've got there and you've kind of seen business from both sides, both from the you know, working in the high hustle VC or angel back startup and being, what was it? The 40th biggest, biggest site in the web. <laughs> the web. Yeah. That's crazy. A, that's a cool trophy to have, but yeah. uh, I look forward to uh, watching you grow. Hopefully being a part of that and continuing friendship and investment products yeah. long into the future. Oh yeah. We'll talk about that some other day, but yeah, thanks for having me, Brad. I really appreciate it. And thanks for listening. Yeah. And thanks to everybody else for uh, listening to the show and hopefully you subscribed if you like it. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. I read every single one of them and I really greatly appreciate it. Uh, And if you have any topic or guest suggestions, feel free to reach out to askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. I'll be sure to check it out. Until next time, 
I will uh, see you, Eric. Have a great Thanksgiving if we don't chat before then. And for everybody else, you do too. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks a lot.